0: So, it is um, a special joy this morning to be able to stand before the people of God, uh, delivering the Word of God, to talk about reading the Word of God. And so, uh, it's, a, it's a joy of mine. It's a special joy of mine because of um, the calling that I feel God has uh, placed on my life many, many, many years ago at this point. Um, what I want to uh, share with you is, first of all, this Everyday Disciple series that we're doing now. Of course, 2020 has been a little unique to say the least um and and so as we were looking at 2020 and the scheduled preaching that we had already planned um we certainly took a detour from the planned series that we were uh intending to preach in in this year and so one of the things that uh, jamie really felt led to to do and i think it's been good is to preach this series on everyday disciple um What our intent is, what our hope is, is that no matter how crazy the world gets, no matter how unique the world is, no matter how uh, fearful it is to uh, see what's going on in the world today and the various different things, um, no matter how much the world changes around us, uh, the everyday work of the disciple is unchanging because our God is unchanging. And so we just wanted to revisit in these unique days, Uh, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus every day, uh, no matter what's going on in our world around us. I hope it's been beneficial to you. Um, This morning, I have the great privilege and honor to bring to you the rhythm of uh, just Bible reading, Um, simple Bible reading. And so my hope is that uh, as we walk away from this morning, that you will be refreshed and renewed and encouraged to to do just that is to rediscover the word and its importance uh, in our day-to-day lives as we talk about the rhythm of just reading the Bible as we, as we do that I want to just kinda tell you a little bit about my calling and why this is special to me right um, the reason this particular uh, Topic would be special to me is because when I was in college, uh, when I was just simply reading the Bible, I r- really was. I wasn't studying for anything, I wasn't doing a Bible study with friends and trying to study stuff and get all the right answers so I could show off when we got together. Everybody would think I was the smartest one in the room. No, that's I wasn't doing that at the time, although that's part of my history, um, probably yours too, right? Uh, I was just simply reading the Bible, not trying to dig deep or anything, just reading the Bible. And I ran across this story in Second Chronicles and uh, there were some things in this story that just God used to just grip my heart. Um, and this story helped define what I felt God was calling me to do. And that was, um, I feel that God has called me to Passionately make known the glory of God to all peoples by increasing in the joy of knowing Him through His Word. And then the key, leading others to rediscover His Word, that they may thereby increase in the joy of knowing Him as they too passionately make known His glory to all peoples. So God used this story in the Scriptures back when I was in college to grip my heart and say, I want you to lead people to rediscover my word, rediscover its importance, rediscover its authority, rediscover its position uh, in the church. And, And as I looked around then and as I look around now, I see a culture that has totally disregarded the word of God, totally ignored the word of God, sometimes totally attacked the word of God. And we can sit here and talk about the culture all day long, but unfortunately in in some places we can look at the church and think the Word of God is going ignored. Unfortunately in some pulpits the Word of God is absent. And unfortunately in some of our individual lives, from time to time in life as believers in the Lord Jesus, the Word of God takes a second seat and is ignored. And so, God really set in my heart this desire to lead His people to rediscover His Word and rediscover the joy of knowing Him in His Word. And so, this morning, I'm going to be preaching from this text to talk about the importance of reading His Word. Um, And we're going to look at it in five primary points. And so, if those, I think those points can come up on the screen. Here they are. Um, First of all, the word is ignored. We'll see that in the text. The word is rediscovered. The word is read. The word is shared. And then the word is obeyed. So before we get to all of that, I'm going to read just a a little bit of the background of the story. It's not going to be on the screen for you. This is just reading. And just sit for a moment and listen to the word of God be read. This is what was happening to me that day. I was just reading. and So listen to the word being read. Now in the eighth year of King Josiah, when he had purged the land and the house, he sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, and Messiah, an officer of the city, and Joah, the son of Johaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. And they came to Hilkiah the high priest and delivered the money that was brought into the house of God, which the Levites, the doorkeepers, had collected from Manasseh and Ephraim, and from all the remnant of Israel, and from all Judah and Benjamin and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Then they gave it into the hands of the workmen, who had oversight of the house of the Lord, and the workmen who were working in the house of the Lord used it to restore and repair the house. They in turn gave it to the carpenters and to the builders to buy quarried stone and timber for couplings and to make beams for the house, which the king of Judah had let go to ruin. And the men did the work faithfully, with foremen over them to supervise, Jahath and Obadiah, the Levites and the sons of Merari, Zechariah and Meshulam of the sons of the Kohathites, and the Levites, all who were skilled with musical instruments. They were also over the burden bearers and supervised all the workmen from job to job. And some of the Levites were scribes and officials and gatekeepers, just reading the Bible. When they were bringing out the money which had been brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. And Hilkiah responded and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the of the law in the house of the Lord. And so as the story goes along, and we're going to hear it uh, as, as we go through these five points this morning, we'll find that the word had been ignored, the word is rediscovered, the word is read, the word is shared, the word is obeyed. And so I want to walk through that with you this morning and share how these things happened so that we can learn how we work within this cycle that we we experience in our own individual lives. So before we unpack the story completely, let's talk about the fact that the word was ignored. So Josiah was the king that we're talking about there, but his grandfather, Manasseh, had been king as well. And Manasseh had led the children of Israel, to worship false gods, to build Asherim poles and idols and false altars and all of these things throughout the land. As a matter of fact, if we back up a little bit, and this will be on the screen for you, in 2 Chronicles chapter 33, verses 9 and 10, we read this. Manasseh led Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem astray to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the people of Israel. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and to his people. But they paid no attention. You see, in Manasseh's day, he was leading the people of God, it says, to do more evil than the very people that God had called them to drive out of this land. And he was leading the worship false gods. He was building all of these false idols and false altars. And so, what I want us to see is that when the Word of God is hidden away, when the Word of God is ignored, when the Word of God is, quote-unquote, misplaced, sin takes root. Sin takes root, and we no longer desire to even hear the Word. And so, that's what was happening with Manasseh and the people that he led, he intentionally was putting aside the law of God and was establishing the law of Manasseh and the people of God were, quote, led astray. And so I'll call you this morning that if you're at a time of life when you feel like maybe you've ignored the word or set the word aside or like some of us have in our past, I said to us because I include myself, closed it up and kind of put it on the shelf, right? Uh, If you find yourself there, I I encourage you to recognize that and seek ways to reestablish the Word's proper place in, in your life. Because when we ignore the Word, sin takes root. And not only does sin take root when we ignore the Word, but also when the Word of the Lord comes, when the Lord does speak, when the Lord uses our friends to call us to repentance, or when the Lord uses the preaching to to prick our hearts with truth, or when the Lord uses anything in our lives to try to reach out and speak to our hearts, it sounds wrong. It sounds false. It doesn't sound true. Our hearts don't ring with it. Why? Because we are led astray by the culture, by the, the business industry, by the entertainment industry, by the music industry, by all these other industries that we allow ourselves to be fed by constantly. Those things help create our thinking, help establish our frameworks, help us understand how to see the world, and we start thinking like that. And when we hear truth spoken, it sounds odd. It doesn't marry with the way we think. That's what was happening, right? Look at it again in verse 10. They had, doing all of this evil, and then in verse 10, the Lord spoke to Manasseh and to his people, but they paid it no attention. Didn't sound right. Ignored it. And unfortunately, in our lives at times, we reach a point where the Word of God is ignored the Word of God just doesn't sound. Sometimes we're, we're in a, a particular sin or we're in this relationship that's strained and difficult and we have truth spoken, but we don't want to hear that right now because I enjoy my bitterness or whatever. That's where the people were under Manasseh's leadership. They were ignoring the Word for quite some time. Thankfully, when Josiah comes on the scene, right, Josiah has kind of the heart of his forefather David for the temple, and he has this desire to just refurbish the temple because, remember, it had been left in ruin. Worship was meaningless, if taking place at all. Worship was not understood. If it was happening, it was just motions. But Josiah has his heart like his forefather David and he wants to refurbish the temple and in the process we come to chapter 34 verse 14 which I've already read but it will be on the screen now while they were bringing out the money that had been given brought that had been brought into the house of the Lord Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord given through Moses then Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan The secretary, I have found, look, he says it with surprise almost. You have to read it that way. I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan. And so there's this beautiful moment at this this important time in the life of, of the children of Israel where the book of the law, though it had been quote-unquote misplaced, lost, ignored, whatever, there comes this moment where it is rediscovered in the temple. And there's this sense of joy about rediscoveries. There's a sense of, of amazement and awe and curiosity about this book that we have found in the house of the Lord. Why was there so much curiosity and awe and amazement? Well, if you do the math and think about how long Josiah had been king, how long his father was king, and how long Manasseh before them was king, we're talking close to 70 years that the book of the law of the Lord was misplaced, lost, ignored. And so children had grown up, maybe hearing the stories, maybe there were some faithful families uh, doing the feasts and the festivals and all those sorts of things, but they grew up without the authority of the law of the Lord. Being carried out and preached and, ex- and led for them by example in the temple by priests and Levites and the rest. It was missing. That's two generations. And so how do we go about rediscovering the Word? I mean, I'm not going to ask you to come up here and do a work day and clean up the church and hope you find a Bible, right? That's not, that's not our strategy, right? Although you might find a few. Um, that's not our strategy. How can you go about rediscovering the Word? There are various, many ways. I'm going to boil that down to maybe three, three things that you can do practically right now that if you find yourself as one who has kind of set the Word aside for a while, or have never discovered it for yourself, I'm going to give you three practical things that you can do to help rediscover the Word. One, engage in Christian community. You're already beginning to do that because you're here on a Sunday morning. But I encourage you to get involved in a missional community group or in a DNA group, or just find some friends that love the Bible, right? And and let them model a love for the Bible around you engaging Christian community. This happened to me in college. I, I was I grew up in a church where I was the, the guy in the youth group that read the Bible and so I answered all the questions in Sunday school and all of that. I thought I was smart and I was very proud of that by the way. And I went to college and got engaged in a in a ministry on campus and walked in thinking I was gonna be the guy that everybody thought was going to answer all the questions and I was going to and, and I quickly learned that there were People my age who didn't just know the content of the Bible, but who loved Jesus. And had fallen in love with the Jesus that they had found in the Bible. And they had relationship, and I was just amazed by that. And so I, I just sat silent for a few years, actually two years, listening to people who love the Bible. So I want to tell you something. If you're intimidated about going to a missional community group because you're afraid you don't know the right answers, you're you're thinking, I can't go there because they're talking about things. I I don't know how to talk about those things. They're going to ask me something. I'm not going to know the answer to it. Or you feel some kind of intimidation like that. Number one, don't feel that intimidation, please. Number two, if you feel that way, missional community is where you need to be because you can sit silent And just listen to other people talk about their love of Jesus and the Bible. And that will begin to draw you back into the Scriptures. Just like it did for me in in college. It became less of an academic thing and more of a relational thing for me as I watched other people love Jesus through the Word. So engage in Christian community. Listen to people struggle with their own lives and how they work those things out with biblical wisdom and that will draw you into the Scriptures. The second thing you can do is join in the work of the Lord. If you look at the story, that's exactly what's happening here, right? I read a list of names. I was just reading the Bible that day. Happened to be a bunch of Old Testament names that I probably mispronounced then and now. I was just reading the Bible. Who knew that reading a text from Second Chronicles was going to be a text that gripped my heart by the Lord to establish what I felt like He would call me to do for the rest of my days. Just reading. But if you read this text, you can look at it and say, look what happened. You had Levites, you had carpenters, you had musicians, you had foremen, you had workmen, you had all of these various people from walks of life coming together to do the work of the Lord, to join in in the work of the Lord. And as they joined in together and committed themselves to doing the work of the Lord, the Bible is rediscovered, right? And so I'm calling you today that if if you are in that place where the Word is kind of set aside, forgotten, lost, ignored, join into the work of the Lord with the people around you because as you see the hand of the Lord at work it will be inspiring to you it will be glorious to you you will have wonderment about what God is doing and I promise you that it will draw you to the word to make you want to know how is it that God does this who is this God that they serve who is this God that cares about them and me so much As you see people living life and doing the work of the Lord together, you will be drawn to rediscover His Word. So join in the work of the Lord. The third way that you can rediscover the Word is go where you expect to find it. I know, it's simple, right? You were waiting on something profound. Go where you expect to find it. Look where it was found. It was lost, misplaced, ignored, whatever, for nearly 70 years and they found it at church. Sorry, they found it in the temple. The temple had been left for ruin, but isn't that where you would expect to find the book of the law of the Lord? So if if you're in a position in life where maybe the word is lost, ignored, whatever, if that's where you find yourself, then I encourage you to do what you're doing now. Come sit under good preaching. Come where you expect to find it. And and I I know, Summit Crossing, you're going to hear good preaching. You're going to hear the Word preached. That's what we intend to do. Why? Because we love you, we're shepherds, and you are the sheep of God that He's put under our charge, and we want to feed you the Word of God. So if you can't get it any other way, if you're not ready yet to just sit and read it for yourself, if you're not there, then come where you expect to find it, where you can just sit and let the Word of God be spoken over you and preached to your heart. You do that in front of your TV all the time. You let things be preached to you and to your heart all the time. It's just not the Word of God. I encourage you to come where you expect to find it and let the Word of God be preached to your heart. So, you engage in Christian community, you can join in the work of the Lord, or you, you can go where you expect to find it. They found it in the temple. And so let's, let's move on. Not only do we hope that you rediscover the word, because that's good, right? I, now I know where it is. I know, I know where it is on my bookshelf. I can go to it when I need it. I've rediscovered it, right? Well, we, want, we desire more than just rediscovery in that sense. Um, if we look further into the story in Second Chronicles chapter 34, Verse 18 and 19, you'll see, Then Shaphan, the secretary, told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. Curious, right? Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it before the king. And when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. Rediscovering the word of God is the first step. Next, we must read the Word of God. And Hilkiah the priest brings it to Shaphan. Shaphan reads from it before the king, and the king responds by tearing his robes. This tearing of robes was a sign of grief, of repentance. It meant that Josiah not only... Heard the words grammatically spoken aloud, but he heard them in his heart with understanding and knew that the nation of Israel and he himself had neglected these truths and had lived contrary to these truths and had not fulfilled their role in this covenant and was brought to godly sorrow as a result. And so I warn you that, yes, as you rediscover the Word of God and you begin to read the Word of God, there will be times when you're brought to godly sorrow. But, oh, I pray you will push through those godly sorrow moments because of the great joy that lies behind them. So pursue reading the Word of God, some benefits of reading. Um, First, one of the benefits, there's lots of benefits. I'm not going to have an exhaustive list here by any means but one of the benefits of reading the word is simply that it builds a relationship with Christ it builds a relationship with Christ you see when I was growing up we were told you know in every discipleship class I was in I was given you know whatever reading I was supposed to do that week and whatever blanks I was supposed to fill in that week and I had you know five to seven days depending on what class it was you were supposed to read every week and you came in and kind of the first thing that you were asked is how much of it did you get done this week and you know did i get three days or did i get you know and that was supposed to be building the everyday discipline right of reading the word and it was this legalistic activity that we were supposed to be doing but the truth is can i let you off the hook this morning It's not about reading every day, seven days a week, or five days a week, or anything. It's not, we don't count reading the Bible. We don't count reading the Bible. The Bible is not something that we read to accomplish something. The Bible is something we read relationally to get to know Jesus, See, I hear people all the time talk about their relationship with Jesus and, and, and I even you know, hear them imagine things you know, like what would Jesus do or uh, they, they have this idea of this perfect person and this glad or, or humble or whatever image of Jesus they have in their head and, and they build on that image this ideal life. But I'm going to say boldly to you this morning That if you show me Jesus, apart from the Word, I will show you an idle and false God. We get to know Jesus by reading the Bible. The Jesus we want to know is the Jesus that God has revealed in His Word. And so I encourage you, read the Bible, not to check boxes and say that I've done it but read the Bible simply to just get to know God's heart. Come to understand His character. Come to understand the kinds of things He actually did rather than imagining what He might do. Come to the Bible wanting to know the character and nature of our holy God so that as you get to know Him, you get to know yourself a little differently. And He begins to draw his own character out of you and recreate who you are into the image of his character by the working of his spirit through the word so reading the bible is a relational activity i encourage you to just do it relationally it's also not an academic activity that was my big problem early on in my christian life i I wanted to just know for knowledge's sake and puff up with knowledge. Reading the Bible is not an ac- academic activity. Remember, Jesus wants you to know Him and enjoy your relationship with Him. And the way He has revealed who He is is in the Bible. And so read it relationally. Um, that's one of the benefits is we just get to build a good relationship, joyful relationship with Jesus. Another Another benefit you see in Josiah's life is it does lead to repentance. Reading the Bible, just simple reading of the Bible, God is able to show us in our own hearts where we are led astray by other false gods, like in the days of Manasseh, and he begins to call us to righteousness, and leads us to sorrowful repentance. That's another benefit of the Bible. Another benefit of just reading the Bible is it helps develop biblical wisdom for daily life. And so oftentimes we, you know, we have, what is God's will for my life? What does God want me to do? Or people will come and say, what does the Bible say I should do in this particular situation? Can you show me a verse that's going to tell me what to do in this situation? And, and you know, and it's that one. No. No. Um, Reading the Bible allows the Holy Spirit to simply build a biblical framework of thinking so that when you're faced with different circumstances in life, you deal with those circumstances out of a biblical thought pattern. And you make decisions based on biblical concepts and biblical Principles because you've trained your mind to think biblically simply by reading the Bible. And so instead of allowing the culture to be the thing that feeds us the most and causing us to think like the culture, we must feed ourselves the Bible so that we can train our minds to think biblically. And build upon that a biblical foundation of wisdom for day to day life. And so that leads me to Bible intake. How do you do it? So those are just a few of the few of the benefits. There are a variety of more. Um, but how, how do we how do we do this? What's the methods for Bible intake? all sorts of methods of Bible intake that you can use, uh, and they're going to need to fit your personality, the thing that works best for you um, in in making sure that you can be consistent, however that works uh, for your personality. But one way that you do that is simply what I've been talking about this morning, is simple devotional reading of the Bible. It's important. See, back long ago, I didn't do any devotional reading of the Bible or just listening to the Bible being read. I thought I always had to study the Bible. I thought I always had to dig deep in the Bible. And, you know, and we use that word all the time, right? I just want to go deep in the Bible. I'm not even really sure what that means sometimes. Um, but the idea of just devotionally reading the Bible let the Word of God saturate the heart by reading. That is an important rhythm for the life of the everyday disciple. Lots of ways that you can do that. There are all kinds of reading plans out there, and this is what I mean. It has to work for your personality and your schedule and how you, how you work that. Um, there are all sorts of different reading plans. One thing that I do to just help myself have Bible intake, uh, thanks to technology, um, I have a 40 minute commute to work every morning and I will put on uh, from the uh, U-Version Bible app there are lots of plans in there I don't do the topical ones typically I just go find Bible reading plans Old Testament reading plan, New Testament reading plan whole Bible reading plan, chronological plan what, there are all sorts of different plans that are already in that app and it will read to you and so on my way into work uh, not five days a week maybe three one week maybe five one week There may be days I just want to sit in silence on the way to work or listen to uh, typically some worship music on the way to work, something like that. But, But just using something like that to feed the mind and the heart, the scriptures, while I'm driving to work. Right now I'm doing a New Testament reading plan. I think it's called the New Testament in 90 days. I promise you I will not do it in 90 days. I just won't. I don't feel locked in. I don't feel like, there's this legalistic thing. I have to finish this in 90 days because that's the title of it. No. And don't feel that way. Well, if you're doing a reading plan, maybe it's a Bible in the year, right? One, the Bible in, in one year. I used to have a really close friend of mine. I, he's still a close friend of mine. He just doesn't live close anymore. Um, close friend of mine from the day he was saved. This is a beautiful story as a teenager. And I suspect even to this day, but at least till I knew him, um, he had read the Bible beginning to end every single year, from the day he was saved. To the, was just, That's his personality. He's that way. I'm not that way. That's not going to work for my personality. If, if I miss a day, two days later, I'm not going to try to read three days' worth. Right. Then what happens? It becomes a spiral, right? If I never feel like I'm going to catch up, so what's the easiest thing to do? You know what i do if i miss a day i either skip that day's reading and go to the next or i just push my deadline to the right <laughs> it's what i do because it's not about you s- sticking to some program or some plan that is not the point the point is taking in the bible and so i encourage you to find ways to just take in devotional reading that Ligonier Ministries has a great list of different reading plans if you don't know where to start with that just come to me Dave Greg somebody and we will help you find ways to find reading plans to just help you read the Bible or listen to the Bible Um, other ways that you can do Bible intake and I'll run through these more quickly Uh, you can do intentional Bible study on top of just devotional reading. Intentional Bible study. This is where you may study a book of the Bible with friends in a DNA group or in a missional community group or uh, one-on-one with another individual. Study a book of the Bible. Study a topic in the Bible. But go through an intentional working through the, the phrases and the words and the structure of what's being said here and taking the time to study it rather than just reading it. And so that has its proper role, and that is an important way of taking in the Bible. Another way to take in the Bible is consistent memorization, either with a spouse or a family member or a DNA or missional community, or we used to do this on Sunday mornings, right? We have a verse of the month. Just finding ways to memorize the scriptures. And there are all kinds of lists of good verses that are good verses to just have committed to the heart so that the Lord can use those and bring those to your mind at different times. Another way of taking in the Bible is simply listening to good preaching. And I don't mean just on Sunday morning. I mean find ways, technology is wonderful these days, find ways to just listen to good preaching. If if you're you're in that place and you're like, I read that story in 2 Chronicles 34 and I didn't get anything that Joey was talking about when I read it that's okay because guess what I, I had read second chronicles 33 before that and I didn't get anything from it when I was reading at that time when I read 34 the Lord just opened it up to my heart afresh, anew, a new in a different way for a particular purpose so but if you're in one of those places where you're like I, I try to read and I try to read and I try to read it just doesn't help then go find good preaching there are all sorts of different podcasts uh or good preachers that have sermon libraries online. If you don't know who to listen to, and more importantly, who not to listen to, then come to me, Dave, Greg, somebody, Jamie. Come to us. We will help you find good resources to help you take in the Word of God in a healthy way. Uh, I will... I plugged it last time. I'll plug it again. Podcasts are another good way. It might not be preaching, but f- just theological discussion or topical discussion about things. My favorite podcast that I listen to more than any other is White Horse Inn. And a lot of people ask me, what is that again? It's White Horse. That's a White Horse Inn. I-N-N. White Horse Inn. I love it. Um, it's one of my favorite authors, uh, Michael Horton, that does that, does that uh, podcast. is wonderful. It's a great way to intake the Word of God, but there are a variety of others as well. And so the point here is find methods that work with you and your personality, no matter how small they are to start. Engage in Christian community. Join in the work of the Lord. Listen to good preaching. Go where you expect to find it. Just devotionally read the Bible or intentionally study the Bible. Memorize portions of the Bible. Whatever the Lord works well in your heart as an initial endeavor, do it. You will find the joy of knowing Jesus there. And so what we find is once all of that reading of the Bible had occurred before the king, Josiah, we come to Second Chronicles chapter 34, verse 29. Then the king sent and gathered together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests and the Levites, all the people, both great and small. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. So what happens? King Josiah heard the Bible, read the Bible, was grieved over their position, was repentant, began to rediscover the word of God. And what did he want to do? Because of the joy brought to him, because of the joy he experienced in Christ, knowing the word of God, he desired to share it with all. And so he gathered all, he could do that, he was king, he gathered all the people great and small, no matter what position or role they were in, in their community, He gathered them all and He read before them all the words of the book of the law of the Lord. So let's do that. Genesis chapter 1, no, sorry, not going to do that to you. He read before them all the words of the book of the law, the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. And so, if you are in a position right now, you're, you're not where you, you've lost your anchor or anything, you've not ignored the Word, you've, you've kind of rediscovered it in life and you're enjoying taking in the Scriptures, I encourage you to take the next step and begin sharing that joy with others. Because there are some In your missional community, there are some around you, there are some at work that are currently in that position where they're kind of ignoring the Word. And they need to hear you sharing it with them so that they would be drawn back to rediscover it themselves. And so that's the next phase of this. You you ignore it, you rediscover it, you read it, then you begin to share it with others, and that's precisely what King Josiah did. And the result of that, the result of it all, is that the word is obeyed? Look at 2 Chronicles 34, verses 31 and 32. And the, and the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written. In this book, that's the king himself making that commitment before the people. That he himself would be striving to obey the covenant. Then verse 32. Then he made all who were present in Jerusalem and in Benjamin join in it. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. The beautiful thing is that intake of the word, simple devotional reading, study, memorization, intake of the word results in righteous living. That's what happened here. And by the way, I want to encourage you, no matter how far you feel gone, no matter how long it's been since you've read the Bible or any portion thereof, no matter, If it's been 70 years, and some of you could say that maybe, 70 years. Um, if it's been 70 years since you've picked up a Bible, you're not too far gone. You're not too far gone. No matter how far away you think you have gone astray, which is the word used in the beginning of this text, you are not too far away. No matter how much you've let the culture train your mind and make you think contrary to biblical wisdom, you are not too far gone. Two generations had gone by. They had followed after false gods, built Asherim poles, built false altars after idols, and they had not been following the plan of God whatsoever so much that the temple itself had gone into ruin and his word was lost for 70 years. And after one reading, the word of God triumphed in their hearts and they committed themselves to obeying and following the Lord their God. And so I encourage you, if you think you're too far gone, Try God. He will show you that his word does not return into him void or empty-handed, but it accomplishes the very purpose for which he sends it. And it may be just one reading is all it takes in your heart to. It may be more. It may be time. But I promise you that as you follow after God by engaging him in his word, his grace is triumphant no matter how far you think you're gone. And so it results in righteous living. There are a variety of results. We'll talk about one more in a moment, but I just want to, I just want to say you may be in different places. You may be rediscovering and reading. You may be one that's just lost it, right? The word of God is missing misplaced. Um, I want to I want to encourage you because I want you to know we're all there. This is very cyclical. So the, where are you in this cycle, right? Think about you for a moment. Where are you in this cycle? Are you ignoring the word, rediscovering the word? Are you reading the word? Are you sharing the word or, or have you reached a point where you're just pursuing righteousness and obeying the word? Where are you in this cycle? You can be in a variety of places had different times in life. So I want to tell you a short story. Um, this Bible that I hold in my hand was given to me in 1996 by one of those mentors that I met in college. Um, it quickly became my everyday carry. Uh, I, I just liked this particular form factor, if you will, right? Uh, I just used it as my daily reading bible my study bible and all, all those things and it just i love I, I just love this bible right not you know i love the bible but something about this one was just right <laughs> it became my preaching bible and over time it began to just fall apart it was weary and worn right it literally binding the pages were coming out it was falling apart and it was time to get a new bible and I was struggling, because I didn't really want to give up this one, and um, found a place that would rebind it uh, online, and put real leather on it and all that, and I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do, so I called them up, and I said, hey, I need to um, talk to you about rebinding a Bible, and how do I ship it to you, how long is it going to take, and I was really concerned about that, and they said, oh, four to six weeks before you'll get it back, and I was just sunk in this chair, what? No, they can't, oh, and um, the lady on the other end of the phone recognized that, and she said, is there a problem with that? And I said, well, it's my preaching Bible. And she said, oh, sorry, I didn't know you were a preacher. i tell you what. We have a policy, preacher's Bibles. If it's your preaching Bible, it goes to the front of the line, so if you'll send it next day air, first thing on Monday morning, you'll have it back Friday afternoon. I was like, yes, okay, I'll do that. So I put it in the mail, next day air, on, on a Monday morning, and by Thursday, the people who were closest to me at the time Literally, uh, he walked up to me one morning, we walked in, he walked up to me and he said, I sure do hope that Bible comes back tomorrow. And I said, why are you so concerned? He said, because you've been moping around all week like you've lost your best friend. And I quickly replied, I have lost my best friend. I was at that stage of life in this cycle where not only this Bible, but the Bible was just precious to me. And I was just soaking it in, loving The joy of knowing Jesus and my relationship was so sweet with Jesus. And when I lost this Bible for a few days, I felt like I had lost my relationship for a few days with Jesus. So I've been there. I'll say this too, though. Not long after that, there was a time when I told Brooke, I'm done. Put it on the shelf. I can't do this anymore. Wasn't really a gradual thing where I just like missed a few days and you know over time. No. It was an intentional decision at that point. And I did. Months went by. I ignored it. Thankfully, I got involved in a missional community group and hung around some people who were talking about the Bible and sharing with one another what God is doing in their lives and engaging in the scriptures. And God just started drawing me into community and through that community started drawing me back into his word. And I just went through this same old process again, rediscovering his word and beginning to read it again and having joy in it again and wanting to share it with others again. And then, you see, we all go through this cycle. Don't feel bad or out of place or beaten down if you're at a place where you might not be reading the Bible right now. We all go through this cycle. We just have to understand where we are in this cycle so that you can re-engage and rediscover His Word. Oh, how I pray that we would rediscover the Word of God so that we would know and love Jesus through it. One of the other results that uh, I didn't mention is as we engage the Word and we love Jesus through it, uh, He begins to purify our worship. And so I just want to read to you the end of the story, or at least what I consider the end of the story. Chapter 35, verse 16. is not on the screen. Just listen to the reading of the Word. Here's going by. So all the service of the Lord was prepared in that day to celebrate the Passover and to offer burnt offerings on the altar of the Lord according to the command of King Josiah. Thus the sons of Israel who were present celebrated the Passover at that time and the Feast of Unleavened Bread seven days. And there had not been celebrated a Passover like it in Israel since the days of Samuel the prophet. Did you hear that? They had not celebrated the Passover like this since the days of the prophet Samuel. Nor had any king of Israel celebrated such a Passover as Josiah did with the priests and the Levites, all Judea and Israel who were present, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem in the 18th year of Josiah's reign this Passover was celebrated. You see how their worship was totally redone and impacted by their engaging the word? Because I want to be clear about something. It wasn't that King Josiah rightly set the table. It wasn't that King Josiah ensured that there were a right number of cups for this Passover meal. It wasn't so much that the children asked the right questions at the right time, if you know anything about the Passover meal and how they're logistically supposed to go through this festival. It wasn't so much that those things were done rightly, in a way that it hadn't been done since Samuel the prophet. They They were doing it. The difference in this Passover, as opposed to all the other Passovers, was that their hearts were fully engaged with the Word of God. And as they fully engaged their hearts with the Word of God, the Passover came alive. The meaning of the Passover struck them as true, and they understood it as they were doing it as an act of worship rather than as a rote ritual of religion. Never had it been done like that since the days of the prophet Samuel because they engaged the word of God in it. And so I encourage you, as you engage the word of God, your worship will be made more pure. Have you ever been at worship and looked around at other people and saying, why do they look so happy? I don't get it. It's just another song. I promise you, as you engage the Word of God and allow it to wash over you and understand it and enjoy it and know Christ in it, the lyrics of the songs that we sing on Sunday mornings come alive because they're rooted in Scripture and they're biblical. And so I pray that you will rediscover the Word of God, read it, share it, obey it, so that your relationship with Christ will be made new and fresh and joyful, and your worship be made more pure, and all the other many benefits of the word. So just as they celebrated the Passover in a pure and holy way, with meaning fresh and anew, I hope this morning that as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, that your heart will be engaged in worship. This would not be a ritual, this would not be something that we do every Sunday, because we do it every Sunday. But the word of God would speak to you through the symbols of the bread and the juice that we share together. So this morning you have cups in your seats with two seals, one seal uh, over the bread and one seal over the juice. And we come to this time as an act of worship. We say all the time we do this every week because we love it. We also do this every week because we need it. We need the work of Jesus and the sanctifying work that he brings to us in this supper, we also do it every week because it is an act of worship. And so I ask that as you do this, that you would allow your heart to be engaged with your understanding and meaning of the scriptures, your understanding and meaning of the work of Jesus on the cross. You would come to this supper this morning and experience it maybe like you never have before. Father, I thank you for uh, the time that we have before your Word. Your Word is beautiful. Uh, More importantly, the Jesus we discover in your Word is beautiful. The character of God is beautiful. The work of your Spirit in your Word is beautiful. So we love it and we ask, Father, that you would continue to draw us more and more into your Word. Not for the sake of your Word, but for the sake of knowing you, enjoying you, and making your glory known through our works that come out of your word. Father, I thank you for that. Father, this morning we thank you for the work of Jesus Christ on the cross for our forgiveness and salvation that it's symbolized in this body and blood symbolized in the bread and juice that we have before us this morning. God as we do this, I pray that you would remind us of the love of Christ for us, the price that was paid for our salvation in this relationship. God, I pray that you would remind us of the due penalty of our sin and therein remind us, yes, that we are sinners. Bring us to that point as we come before this supper this morning and remind us that as we... Understand that we are sinners. Yes, Lord, remind us of particulars so that we can come confessing. Just as Josiah understood your word and responded with repentance and godly sorrow, calls us in this moment as we're reminded that the price paid for our sin remind us of the cost so it brings us to a right response of godly sorrow as we observe this. The praise God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, you don't leave us in our sorrow. Remind us as we partake of this supper that the broken body and the poured out blood of Jesus Christ purchased our redemption, truly satisfied your wrath so that we might stand before you and live. So create in our hearts in this moment as we observe this supper, joy before you as we stand in the righteousness and holiness of Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for this bread. We thank you for this juice. May we receive it this morning as Christians, as true believers, as this good, powerful, sanctifying work in our hearts. That, yes, Lord, reminds us of your death, but it reminds us of your death until you come. And so as we take it, we cry out, come, Lord Jesus. It's in your name. worship.